you went pound pound for pound i guess would be the term yeah that's fair blow for blow with kansas city that was worse Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There Is A Lot Going On, the only podcast that didn't end in the last second this weekend. I'm David Arroyo, joined, as always, my pal Tom Shively. Tom, insane weekend of football. That's really almost the only thing we're going to talk about today. Before we get into any of that, though, talk about the game that just happened. I got to know, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. We just got 12 hours of, of glorious football over two days. So, uh, you know, the divisional, the wildcard weekend stunk, so... We, as football fans, deserved this, and I'm glad that the NFL came through. Well, let's start then with the game that just wrapped up. We're coming on here, what, 15, 20 minutes after it ended, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Buffalo Bills 42-36 to in overtime. I mean, this game was absurd. I'm just going to try and breeze through everything that happened in here. Josh Allen had four touchdowns, was absurd. They took the lead with literally 13 seconds to play. And I think everyone was kind of like, that's it. That that should be game. And then what did Patrick Mahomes do? But find Tyree Kill for like 20 yards and then find Travis Kelsey for another 20. And now boom, that's a 48-yard field goal. We go to overtime. Bills lose the coin toss. Mahomes marches down the field and wins it for the Chiefs. Tom, let me just get your instant reaction to the game because you and I intentionally did not talk about the game before we came on here. Um, I think it was 25 points in the last two minutes. Um, it felt like the offenses did whatever they wanted, and Josh Allen, two insane fourth down conversions on that last drive um, to get his team in position. And, you know, I, I feel bad for Josh Allen. It, it does stink to lose that way, but Patrick Mahomes, you got to give the credit. The Chiefs, you know, championship caliber, it's four straight AFC championship games, and it was just clinical football, really, by Buffalo to get down there, because they only had a minute and two seconds to score a touchdown, which is no tall task, and that's you know, kind of going to get blown away because of what Kansas City did. And just two incredible offenses. You know, I think we said before this was the AFC Championship. This felt like two Super Bowl contenders and probably the best two teams remaining. And it was just, it was it was awesome to see. And, it, you know, it's one of those games that sucks that one of the teams has to lose. I, let me, let me get this out of the way first because I texted it to you. And I think it's important for me to say, I have given Josh Allen a lot of crap on this podcast. I have pretty consistently said he's got to prove it to me. He's got to do it against X team, Y team. But you also know I'm not a believer QB wins are a stat. Josh Allen played out of his mind today. And I have to give him his respect. I have to... I'm going to drop the uh, Josh Allen shtick I've been doing over the last you know two years. Because you can't play this well and not have me call you one of the two best quarterbacks in football. It's him and Patrick Mahomes. I think they're both better than Aaron Rodgers. So, like, he's clearly right there. He went pound pound for pound, I guess would be the term. Yeah, that's fair. Blow for blow with Kansas City. He, that he one's thought, worse. That one's worse? For sure. <laughs> he, he 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 thought he had this game won with 13 seconds to play. He had done everything humanly possible to put the Bills in position to win, and this is a heartbreaking way to go out. But I mean, listen, th- this Kansas City offense, it's not the best we've ever seen it, but this run of the Kansas City offense is the best offense I think we've ever seen. Like they score at a moment's notice, literally 13 seconds and they're able to get a field goal out of it. It's just absurd. We've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say they're the most talented offense ever. It just feels like they have utilized the skill sets that they have on their teams the best. They understand that they have two incredible speedsters in Hill and Hardman. And, you know, they're always running screen passes. They're always running end arounds, whatever it is, to get them in open space and just get them to beat linebackers and, and, and beat defensive ends around the corner. And, you know, you get these plays in the backfield. It's just, oh, they got to get tackled now. And, and they turn into an eight-yard gain. And Mahomes escapes everything. You know, Josh Allen escapes everything, too. But the Chiefs have been doing this for, for four years now. And, and they find a way to win games. They just... You know, they haven't yet had to go away from Arrowhead. They're just consistent in the regular season. They had a little bit of a snafu earlier this year. But I think once we got to the playoffs, you and me were both kind of like, yeah, it's Kansas City. They're the best team in the AFC. They have the most talented offense. And for as good as Buffalo was, they Kansas City proved it again today. And, they, you know, defensive, it's hard to win that game without Tyron Matthew. I wouldn't say the defense really helped them out at all. They gave up touchdowns. It felt like every drive in the fourth quarter, but... 
to to overcome the loss of Matthew, no matter how much your defense played into it, it, it is big for them. And, and you got to hope he's healthy for next week. I mean, you, you got to give it, though, to both of these play callers. I, I Brian Dable had some questionable things during this game and Sean McDermott's decision making. Like, I, I think it was in the third quarter. They had like a fourth and one and then took Allen off the field to punt. I just don't understand doing that when he's playing as well as he is. And he proved it there on that last uh, drive in regulation when they scored. So I, I just think it's one of those, like these play callers, Dable and Andy Reed put on a clinic tonight. Just, and, and it's not necessarily guys that you think of when you think of these teams. Jarek McKinnon had five catches for 54 yards, you know, Gabriel Davis had eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. Like, it's not, it wasn't the, like, Travis Scott and Tyreek, or Travis Scott, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill played great. Stefan Diggs was kind of, like, nowhere to be seen this game, but it, it really didn't matter. And I just thought both these game plans were clearly, like, ju- just clinical on both sides. Can you fault Dable for the fourth and one? I think that feels like a head coach decision usually. Yeah, you're right. Go for it versus punt. And I can't be that mad because they ended up holding them to a field goal that drive, I think, at least. You know, they they did whatever it was. They didn't give up a touchdown. And, you know, they still got the ball back and took the lead. So I I don't hate the punt that much. I think maybe some decisions earlier in the game. It felt like they saved their best offensive play calling for... The, the final quarter and you know everything was working they had that fourth and 13 conversion that was insane they had the fourth and four but Kansas City was was just a little bit better when they needed to and they, and they just won the coin toss so you know we gotta talk is it time is it time to talk overtime rules oh yeah let's go let's what's your suggestion there what is the moment that it feels like it's building towards something happening that forces the NFL to change right well this is it and that's what I'm saying you have the greatest quarterback battle maybe that we've ever seen in the playoffs. You have a back and forth. We've never seen the last two minutes of a game like that before. Why not? Who who doesn't benefit from giving Josh Allen a chance? Obviously, the Chiefs don't benefit. I get that. But my proposal to you, my proposal to you. And let me get something off my chest before I give you the proposal. The New England, the New England Patriots, near and dear to me, have benefited twice from the overtime rule in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, they got the ball first. And in a very similar game in the AFC Championship three years ago when the Chiefs went down and kicked a field goal as time expired and went to overtime, the Patriots got the ball off the coin toss and went and scored a touchdown. It's a, it, you you got to get the best players out there. And it's the only sport that I can think of where it's not fair. So my proposal is kickoff and then whatever the offense does, the other team gets a chance to match it. And the offense can just kick off and keep going until someone does something on a drive that's worth more than the other team does. Basically, college overtime, but you kick off every time instead of starting at the 25. I'd be okay with that. So, uh, let me just get this straight. So, you think, say, say like Kansas City scores a touchdown, then Buffalo scores a touchdown. If Kansas City scores another touchdown, Buffalo gets a chance to, to counteract that with a Buffalo touchdown. Buffalo gets to go as long as they keep matching Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean... I think that is the best way to do it because it's the only overtime in sports that I can think of where both teams don't have an opportunity to win the game. Like extra innings in baseball, both teams come to the plate. You know, NBA overtime put five minutes on the clock. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the only, and even college football does it better than the NFL. I don't love the college football overtime rules, but they're exponentially better than what the NFL is doing right now. And you're right, like Kansas City doesn't benefit from those rules, but the NFL ratings for this game, I assume, are going to be astronomical, and who doesn't want to sit there and watch Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes just continue to do what we saw them do at the end of this game? Just real quick before you go, just on that point, with 2.33 to go, Kansas City kicked a field goal to make it 26-21. to the next plays, the next drives are as follows. 17 plays and a touchdown for Buffalo. Five plays and a touchdown for Kansas City. Six plays and a touchdown for Buffalo. Three plays and a field goal. And then eight plays and a touchdown in overtime. Are you telling me we don't want to see that? Because I think everybody would have liked to see these offenses continue to play for another hour. The only thing holding it back is if they're going to pull out this facade of a player safety argument, which I think doesn't apply in the postseason so to me there's no good reason not to play this game out as long as it takes to have a winner and it just it just stinks it's 
uh, credit to Kansas City. They've been jobbed by it before, so it's not like they, they're lucky they got away with it. Patrick Mahomes should have, I mean, they were better than the Patriots that game that they lost uh, that year. So Kansas City deserves a break, I guess, if you could put it that way. But, man, what a game, and it, and it just stinks it had to end that way. Can we, can we talk about how Buffalo might be the unluckiest franchise at all of sports? I mean, four Super Bowl trips, they didn't get one Super Bowl out of that, and it just feels like it, everything works against them in every conceivable... Like, any other team, 13 seconds on the clock, you're winning that football game. And Kansas, you just happen to be playing Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, so you're not going to win that game. Like, it's insane. Like, if that's the same scenario next week against the Bengals... They missed the kick or something. You know, something happens that Cincinnati gets away with it. Yeah, like it, it is liter- it's literally insane how Buffalo gets the worst luck possible consistently all the time. And I, I just feel bad for them. It heartbreaking way to go out of the playoffs and they're, they're going to be competitive next year. I would argue, you know, a couple moves specifically on offense so they can run the ball a little bit better. That way, Josh Allen doesn't have to be your primary runner would do this team a lot of good. But I'm expecting them to be back in contention. They play in an easier division than the Chiefs. You know, the Chargers are hot on their heels, I feel like. It, if We're going to get to this game next, but if the Rams end up being the team going to the Super Bowl, I'm just going to say it now, we might have to pencil in the Raiders for the Super Bowl next year. It would be back-to-back Three years in a the row, host yeah. team. Come on. Oh, Derek Carr in the Super Bowl? Oof. Well, let's, let's get over to that other game then. Did you have anything else you want to add about the Bills or Chiefs? I'm good. I'm good. Best game of the weekend. Best playoff game I've seen in a while. I'm biased, but best playoff game I've seen since 28 to 3. I think that's the best uh, cuz I had said to you I thought this was the best game I've ever seen. I've thought about it a little more. Also biased, but Super Bowl 52 I think was a better game than this, but they're close. They're extremely. Well, this ha- if we take out the biases, I think I'm comfortable saying this is the best one I've ever seen. If we take out the respective Super Bowl titles for the teams that we support, I'm with you. There, there. This had higher quarterback play than any game I've ever seen. I've never seen two quarterbacks go toe to toe the way we saw these two guys go. And again, it's why I'm going to say they're one two in the league to me because the other guy who has a claim to number one flamed out yesterday, and we'll talk about him in a second, Tom. The Los Angeles Rams advanced to the NFC Championship game, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30-27. to LA really tried to lose this game. They were up, what, 24 points going into the third quarter and really took their foot off the gas. They let Tom Brady and them get back into it. It was real clinical there down the stretch. Brady threw the ball 54 times, and they just did a great job marching down the field, and it came down to a Matt Stafford bomb to Cooper Cup late in this game to to win it for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, 27-3 to lead, they, they did blow it. I mean, Tampa Bay came to tie, so that's a blown lead, but veteran move by them not to go up 28-3, to obviously, um, but... Yeah, I mean, they did everything wrong in the second half. I think they scored early and then were stuck at 27 basically until that last drive. The The killer for me was the they get the strip sack on Brady and then the snap that Stafford misses the very next play kind of felt like Tampa might win this game. And, you know, you know the list keeps piling up. They had a ton of injuries in the secondary. They're dealing with two offensive linemen banged up. Obviously, Godwin's out. You know, Antonio Brown with his whole scenario is out. So His whole scenario. It, it just... Uh, what, uh, what do you want to call it? I don't know. No, it's just it's just a funny way to put it. I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what to call it. I have no idea. But uh, I'm a little surprised to see a Tom Brady comeback fall short. You know, I feel like they pull the rabbit out of the hat every time. Um, and it's one of those LA just happened to get the ball last. You know, Brady did everything. It, it felt like everything right once they were down 28 to six. And, you know, L.A. just built up a big enough lead. You know, the Acres fumble right before halftime could have killed him. But it was a fun game. And I think we'd be talking about it a lot more if we didn't have the Buffalo-Kansas City game right afterwards. Well, I, I saw a stat after this game. Tom Brady is now 49-1 and all-time when his team forces four turnovers of the opponent. This is the first time that a team has had four turnovers against Tom Brady and then ended up beating him. And... This Rams team, you and I have talked about a lot. They're so talented, but it feels like, I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like they can't win a Super Bowl because of those kinds of mistakes. They make boneheaded mistake after boneheaded mistake in the worst moments. Sean McVay seems to shrink when his team's like 
start to feel the pressure. And I, I just don't trust this team when push comes to shove to actually go and win the Super Bowl. They might get there because I think they have an easier path. Well, eh, the Chiefs path. And then again, the Chiefs lost to the Bengals. So who knows? I think they have an easier path than the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. But I wouldn't be surprised if they lost to the 49ers. And I wouldn't be surprised if they made the Super Bowl and then couldn't finish it off. Shanahan, I believe, is undefeated against McVay in his career. I think the number is 6-0. and um, So, it, you know, San Francisco, not the most consistent, but they know how to beat good teams. Aaron Rodgers is 0-4 against the 49ers, which makes the... I'm going to have a sound of the week that I'll send you in Twitter, um, but we'll get there. Unless it... Do, is one of yours Aaron Rodgers, by any it chance? It is not. Okay, good. I'll have one to send you, but... To to see LA kind of come through, yeah, they don't. San Francisco doesn't make a lot of mistakes. They 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 seem like they take advantage of other teams. Uh, you know, we'll talk about their game in a minute. But LA getting the game at home, it it feels like they're too good to lose three times in a row. But that I mean, that's bad analysis. San Francisco, I think, just takes care of the ball a little bit more. They're a little less erratic, and and yeah, they've beaten them twice. So certainly they're capable of it. But no Tom Brady in the Super Bowl this year, so America can rejoice. I'm kind of seeing the other side of the coin now. I was rooting against Tom Brady. You know, it, it's the pot calling the kettle black. I get it. But I'm like, I've had enough of this guy. It's year two in Tampa Bay, and I'm like, let's let's move it on. Let's get somebody else. So anything I've said as a Patriots fan to the world about, oh, just appreciate greatness, Tom Brady. No one's ever done it like him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sick of him. We're moving on. Uh, I am actually that person who's very much the appreciate greatness, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. So before the game, there were reports that a ring this year would push Tom Brady closer to retirement. It sounds like they have a lot of guys who are going to be free agents, including him technically. What what do you think he does? Do you think he comes back for another year? Do you think he finally hangs it up? Because to me, right, what does Tom Brady have left to prove? He threw for the most yards he's ever thrown in his career this year. He was in the MVP conversation up until the last week of the year. He has seven Super Bowls, more than any individual franchise. I just don't know what he has left to prove, and I don't see a reason for him to come back. Come back because you're still good. Like To me, that's the only reason. You're still leading the league in, in passing yards. He's still an elite quarterback. It, it I feel like maybe Andrew Luck is a comparison, but we haven't seen someone with those kind of numbers hang it up before, whatever the age is. No one has gone out after a season like that. So I'd be a little surprised if this is the end. I, th- I think it's going to be a little bitter for him that he didn't have his best team in the playoffs and and flamed out a little bit. But I- I'd be shocked if it's the last year for him. I think, you know, he's already down in Tampa. He's kind of built his life there the last couple of years. And they're going to be Super Bowl contenders next year if they have him on the roster. It doesn't matter what receivers you have around him. He's been proving that for years. I'd be a little surprised if he leave, but he's, what, 45 next season? So he's getting up there. He said he wanted to play till 50. So if anyone's stubborn enough to do it, it's him. I think the 50 thing was always a joke. He did say 45 originally, and that very much Would you be surprised table. if he plays till 50? No, I wouldn't be surprised. That's, I just, six, that's six more seasons. I, I think Tom Brady... At some point, the person in his ear, his wife, is going to win this argument because you know she's probably been trying to get him to retire for years now. And I think eventually she's going to win. I'm just going to make a guess. To me, Tom Brady is the kind of player who the league's going to want to know before the season if he's planning to retire. He doesn't strike me as a spur of the moment during the offseason announce a retirement kind of thing. So I think he comes back next year, but we know going into the year whether or not it's his final year. That way he can kind of get, you know, that Kobe treatment, you know, the 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 things the legends get when they are retiring and they get, you know, the the farewell tour. I don't know if I agree with you on that one. He strikes me as kind of a, I want to go out on top and he'll decide after the season kind of guy. And, you know, does he have a Super Bowl left in him? Maybe. He's he's still talented enough. I don't know if the team will be talented enough, though, with, you know, JPP. But it doesn't matter. It does. It does, though, right? Because on some level... It's not an individual's game. Like, he cannot win it by himself. He needs a defense. He needs his weapons back. And yet, he almost won it today in spite of being down all these weapons. I just don't know how many more times he's going to want to 
lift a team who is injured like that. Now, mind you, they should be healthier next year, you know, full off season. You didn't have all these extra games at the end of the year. A lot of these guys have been out for a couple weeks already rehabbing. So they should be healthy next year, but they're not going to be able to bring back everybody like they did this year. And so, you know, it becomes the question of, does he want to do it with a new group of guys or does he just hang it up? I think he comes back. It sounds like you think he comes back, but it's an interesting thing to follow during the offseason. And he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to drag this out all postseason. Like, he's going to let them know. Tampa was I think within gonna... the next, yeah, within the yeah. next month, maybe you'll know one way or another. Yeah, I, I think we're going to find out soon. And because Tampa is going to have to plan if he's not going to be back. And, you know, who knows what they do if he doesn't come back, but there's a couple different directions they could go in. Um, let's move on, Tom, to the other games. These are the Saturday games now. This was a Saturday night. We already mentioned it, but the San Francisco Niners, San Francisco 49ers with a shock victory over the Green Bay Packers, 13-10. to 10. Aaron Rodgers didn't play great. I mean, he was 20 of 29. It was snowing. It was miserable conditions, but just... 10 points against San Francisco. Like, yeah, that defense is good. It's not that good. And, you know, no offensive touchdowns for San Francisco, and they still find a way to win the game. It's, it's just insane. The MVP has uh, now been to one Super Bowl in his illustrious career and won one, but only been to one. And I think we were duped, David. We both sat here we. and packed, picked the Packers. We mm. both sat here and picked the Packers to win the NFC, knowing full well they they stink it up in the playoffs every year. And we thought this year was going to be different. Aaron Rodgers looks different this year. The, the talent really seems to be clicking. The warning signs were there. They lost to the Lions, despite starting their starters for most of that game in Week 18. I don't know. It's just... It, it's a stunningly bad performance from Rodgers. They score on their first drive, and then they only get three points the rest of the game. Special teams was heinous. Um, but you can't even blame him that much when Rodgers only goes and gets you 10 points. I get it, the weather was terrible, but Green Bay, to me, is a team that prides itself in being able to execute in the cold weather, and and San Francisco, you know, Bay Area, Cali kids went in there and showed them how to win in cold weather, and Rodgers is now 0-4 against the 49ers in in his playoff career, so maybe it's the kryptonite, I don't know, but this one was the most surprising to me probably that that San Francisco was able to pull it out and you know just really good team effort despite Garoppolo again no offensive touchdown so obviously he didn't throw for one he didn't play particularly well but that's how you win in the cold yeah I, this the 49ers are fascinating to me because I don't know if you remember but on our preseason podcast I had said this is probably the most dangerous team who won't win their division and they've proven that every step of the way because the defense has shown up. They've got the run game going. Everything about them, though, screams they shouldn't be here. It, Jimmy Garoppolo is an average, not that special quarterback, and they continue to somehow make him work. They have had to resort to Debo Samuel as like this crazy gadget guy because, let's just be honest... Jimmy Garoppolo is not good enough to get him the ball frequently enough in the passing game. And he still had like 1,400 receiving yards this year. So I, I just, the 49ers to me are not a great team, but they just find ways to win. It's a credit to Kyle Shanahan, to be honest, the fact that he is able to consistently make a game plan that works for Jimmy Garoppolo. When we all think Jimmy Garoppolo is a horrible quarterback, like I don't know anybody who's like, Jimmy Garoppolo, that's my guy. He's, he's great. Love that guy. No one, literally no one. Uh, they're an interesting case study, right? Because you've said on the pod several times, I've agreed with you, that you need an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And here they are in the Final Four. They have to be licking their chops that they're playing the Rams, a team they've already beat twice. And you know the fact that they went in there and beat them to even get into the playoffs has to be coming in there with some comfort. Got to be feeling good if you're San Francisco. We got to retire that argument, I guess, if they win the Super Bowl. I don't think they will. I think out of the four teams left, they got the worst chance. But... What they're doing, yeah, like you mentioned with Debo Samuel, Kyle Shanahan. I'm trying to think the 49ers in general, the last time they really underperformed in a postseason. And I can't think of one, even going back to the Harbaugh, Kaepernick days. It feels like they're always there in the NFC Championship. They're always there winning games on the road that they should. And it's just, it's one of the all-time great franchises. And we're lost in the greatness of the Patriots over the last few years and the greatness of the Chiefs that we've seen. But... They know how to win in San Francisco, and, and they do it again. And Jimmy Garoppolo, 
somehow, some way keeps winning. I'm curious. I'm curious your thoughts on this too. If Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and struggles next week, say they're down at halftime, do you pull a Alabama situation and bring in Trey Lance to try and win the game? Because I think we all agree Trey Lance is the more talented quarterback. I think the issue is he might be more prone to turnovers, but I can't even say that because Jimmy Garoppolo has been so loose with the football this year. I just, to me, if you're down next week, you should turn to Trey Lance because he will give you the best chance to win because he can make throws that Jimmy Garoppolo can't. That probably doesn't end up happening, but wanted to throw it out there. I'll be shocked if it happens. I'm sticking with Garoppolo if I'm San Francisco. Yeah, Lance is probably the better quarterback, but it's the NFL. It's not college. Bringing a guy in for his first postseason experience feels like a disaster waiting to happen to me, even if you're down by two scores. You got to play good defense and you can't let LA, you know, the first two rounds of the playoffs have, have what, they're up 21 against Arizona at halftime and they're up 17 against Tampa. San Francisco is not a team that can overcome that deficit. So you got to play well. You got to get some stops on defense. If I'm Shanahan and I win the coin toss, give me the ball to start. I'm taking like an 11 minute drive there, kicking a field goal, whatever you got to do to be San Francisco. But pace of play feels like everything. They can't allow quick scores and they obviously didn't against Green Bay and the defense has been phenomenal. Nick Bosa, you know, has been has been great. They've been getting to the quarterback. They, they made Rodgers uncomfortable, which doesn't happen very often in the postseason. Yeah, I, I just think it, in talking about that matchup, Rams, Niners, at some point, right, you have to think the talent of the Niners is going to win out. Like, they've incorporated OBJ The Rams or the Niners? The Rams talent Talent of the Rams is going to win out has to win out at some point okay because you know they figured out a way to incorporate OBJ into the offense he looks the best he's been since he was in New York Cooper Cup is obviously elite Tyler Higby somehow there's still enough ball to go around to him and then on defense Von Miller has found his role Leonard Floyd continues to be a, a savage. They kick Aaron Donald inside sometimes, and he just destroys teams. I, I just don't see a scenario where they can't get to Jimmy Garoppolo and make him uncomfortable because it just seems like this defense is finally clicking in a way it hasn't basically the whole year. Like early in the year, it looked this good, but that was before they added some more pieces. And I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to pick against them next week against the Niners. Real quick on Donald, I thought they did something interesting today. I, I feel like he was playing on the opposite side that he usually does just to get him to match up with Wirfs, who was hurt. And you don't see that very often, and it was, to me, a genius and kind of obvious play from the Rams. And, you know, he's going to be a problem. Who do you block him? Him versus Trent Williams, if that ends up being the matchup. Give me the popcorn. Let's have a day. I want to see Williams try to lead block Aaron Donald. Give it to me at least once. And that's the thing, too, right? Because of the way the Rams have built this defensive line, it's a lot harder to bring a double team to Aaron Donald because what, you're going to leave Von Miller one-on-one on the outside? You're going to leave Leonard Floyd one-on-one on the outside? We saw how that went for Tampa Bay today. Like it, They were getting consistent pressure. And then, oh, by the way, they also have Jalen Ramsey who can take away your best player. Like I, I think this Rams team has Super Bowl written all over them. I don't think they'd win the Super Bowl, but to me, they have the best shot to get there of any team left in the playoffs. Nick Scott, shout out Penn State, has had a great postseason for them too. Picked off Brady in that third quarter. Yeah, facts. He's he's looked really good this postseason. I think I think a lot of people have kind of dumped on the secondary because you know they've had to bring in Weddle, and you know the secondary has played pretty well the first two weeks. To be fair. Yeah, they, the, I'll give the Rams a lot of credit for coming into both of their games with a very clear and defined game plan that that worked. I mean, I don't know another way to put it. Like, they came into the Bucks game and said, this is what we're going to do. We know what we want to do. We're going to try and take care of the football. And credit to Matthew Stafford. He's been very safe with the football. He's been taking his checkdowns when they're there and there's nothing deep down the field. And then he also can make the big-time throw to Cooper Cup that he made late in this game. So... Uh, this is the best we've ever seen Matthew Stafford play in his career. And if he keeps playing like this, they have a great shot to win the Super Bowl. It's just, he he's kind of has like that gunslinger mentality. And so you never know when he's just going to have like a terrible turnover. All right, Tom, let's move on then to the last game of the weekend. And that was the Cincinnati Bengals taking down the one seed at Tennessee Titans, 19 to 16. 
This was kind of an ugly game. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there weren't a lot of offensive touchdowns in this one either. Joe Mixon scored, but really the story of this game was Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker from Florida, just ice in his veins. Four for four, including a long of 54. He accounted for 13 of the Bengals' points and then ended up hitting the game winner. Another disappointing flameout for Tennessee, but this Bengals team, I mean, Burrow got sacked nine times and it didn't matter. That's insane to me that the, it's, it's Tennessee can create that kind of pressure. And it wasn't like Burrow outperformed them. It really wasn't a great offensive performance from Cincinnati. They took advantage of a couple bad Tennessee turnovers. Tana throws a pick on the first play of the game. They turn it over at the one yard line. Like it, it Tennessee looked the part kind of that we expected them to be. This isn't a team that can get it done in the playoffs. Derrick Henry, yeah, he played not 100% for sure. Tannehill's not the guy. Tannehill's not a guy that can win you the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's he's better than Garoppolo probably, but, you know, elite quarterbacks still matter. And, yeah, it didn't burn San Francisco, but it certainly burned Tennessee in this game. And Cincinnati's got to figure out how to protect Burrow because Kansas City coming at them is going to be a nightmare if he gets sacked even five times in that next game. So you, you know what you're doing in practice this week if you're the Bengals. Well, the... the- the thing that you and I have talked about, right, was, well, clearly they made the right choice taking Jamar Chase because it worked out so well. I I think it was Dominique Foxworth that tweeted this, but basically saying we were all kind of right about everything. They should have taken an offensive lineman, but they were also right in taking Jamar Chase. They were in this unenviable win-win scenario. They take Rashawn Slater or Penny Sewell, or they take Jamar Chase, they made a good pick. It's hard to say if it was the right pick or not, considering he got sacked again nine times yesterday. But, but Chase I, is going to win Rookie of the Year. Like it, it, you, you can't argue that that's the right pick. You pick the Rookie of the Year. I know. You know, maybe in five years, if they if they don't get anywhere, and Burrow has, I'm not going to say the I word, but you know, if they if if there isn't a longevity to this Cincinnati team, then maybe it's the wrong pick, but it, it, you can't say they whiffed on Jamar Chase. No, no, no. I'm not saying they whiffed on Jamar I know Chase. You, I know you're not saying that. But like Rashawn Slater doesn't have him get... Then again, the, the that's the thing though, right? One offensive lineman is not fixing the Cincinnati Bengals. They need a whole new offensive line. This offensive line just sucks. And so they need to find out a way to retool the whole thing in one offseason just like the the Chargers did this last offseason. But to me, this Bengals team has overachieved by a mile this year. The fact they're in the AFC Championship game is absurd. And how lucky are we that we're back-to-back weeks going to get to see Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and then Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. The last time these two dudes hooked up, it was insane what that both guys were doing. I'm expecting this to go a little bit differently, if I'm being honest. I think Kansas City probably runs away with this game, but you never know. This The Cincinnati offense is liable to go down and score points in a hurry, just like the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm interested to see what that opening line is going to be. I, again, I think I think they're going to have too many issues with protection. That That's kind of my early read. Um, Cincinnati could have a field day in the middle of the field, though, if Matthew is out for Kansas City. I don't know the extent of the in- in injury. Obviously, he missed you know Concussion. most of tonight's game, and, and the Bills kind of got their way. So up in the air whether he plays, but they need they need something special. They need Burrow's best game of the year. I think he's got to be better than he was in that game against Cincinnati. And yeah, maybe he's capable of it, but rookie on the road, we'll see. We'll see he's how not, you keep calling him a rookie. This is the second time second the last year couple on of weeks. the road. You know, he was hurt most of the first year, so I don't count it. It's like Ben Simmons factor. Okay, okay, fair enough. So you call him a rookie after. I got it. I got what you're saying. What, you didn't get what, the threshold. It's like extra year of eligibility. Now, real quick before we move off of them for the last time, what do you make of, of like, what does Tennessee do from here? Because, like you said, Ryan Tannehill was clearly the problem this game. He threw three interceptions, but it feels like there's no good option for someone to replace him unless you can get an Aaron Rodgers to go down there and throw to, you know, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. But then again, Aaron Rodgers got as far as the Titans did. So I, I don't know. Is Aaron Rodgers a good playoff quarterback? Can we say that? I think he's had moments, but he hasn't been consistent in the playoffs in quite some time. Who's a better playoff quarterback, Eli Manning or Aaron Rodgers? 
Eli Manning. I mean, Eli Manning had. It's got to be right. Yeah, has two. It had one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history. I, I understand the defense kind of carried, but, the, but that's but that's the moments argument. It feels like of uh, in my memory, those are the two quarterbacks where it's so it's so polarizing in terms of the highs and the lows. And Eli Manning beat Aaron Rodgers to get to a Super Bowl. So you know, like we. Yeah. He did that. Yeah, that's right. The second year. I was thinking the, the, the first year Favre was still there. But yeah, the second time. You're right. It was super snowy, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, Packers were 15-1 and one that year and they lost in the divisional round. Added yeah, to the list. Just, this is just what the Packers do. And you're right. We got we got fooled. But, you know, I, I, I would say Tennessee just as disappointing of a loss just because it, it felt like they were better than Cincinnati. And... It really just came down to their quarterback couldn't take care of the football. Like, just boneheaded plays, including the one that eventually set up Cincinnati to win the game when Joe Burrow threw that little out to Jamar Chase. Just just boneheaded plays. And, I mean, I guess that's what we should expect from Ryan Tannehill, if we're being honest. I don't know what your answer is. Because you've got, you know, Julio Jones is getting way up there. He had some health problems this season. He's definitely not an elite receiver anymore. A.J. Brown still is. Derrick Henry, if he can stay healthy, but again, he's a running back, and that's just what happens in the NFL is you can't really rely too much on a running back. Joe Mixon is what, the best running back left, probably? Best running back left? Uh, Maybe Akers, but the point is, like, it, it's yeah. not, you're not leaning on a running back as much as you were even back in, you know, the Adrian Peterson LT days. It feels like it's just such a more disposable position that they... You know, elite, elite running backs aren't going to take you to the promised land, I guess is my point. So you kind of, I think you have to reassess. Vrabel's done a great job. I think Tannehill, the fact that they were the one seed with that team and the injuries that they went through is, is special. You probably give him one more year because of all of that. Um, but it, it just feels like a dead end. I, I think if you can get Aaron Rodgers, you try and do it. Or I think the other scenario is kind of like you mentioned, one more year of Tannehill, if one of those rookie quarterback, one of the quarterbacks in the draft falls, I think Tennessee's a prime team to potentially trade up and try and grab a quarterback this year. Let him sit for a year behind Ryan Tannehill, and then you can have a smooth transition to a younger starting quarterback the next year. It's time. Let's do it. Aaron Rodgers is wearing a blank jersey week one next year. What do you got? I think he's back in Green Bay, actually. I think, Me too. That's boring. I, I it's think, a terrible segment. <laughs> I think Green Bay did enough to like kind of go to bat for him when he had the whole immunized thing that I think it would kind of be dumb for him to leave at this point. I think it'd be dumb because there really aren't that many better scenarios out there for him. They were the ones. Is seen- Tennessee a better scenario? You, st- you still got you know top three receiver in the league, and you've got an organization that's going to bend the knee for whatever you need. That's a dream, you know, maybe you want to live in warmer weather, but that's the only thing I can think of that, you know, you kind of got to look at yourself for a lot of these shortcomings. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you, Tom. And so with that, we're going to move on to the only other segment we have this week. And that, of course, is our sound of the week. Tom, after sound of the week, there actually is one more segment. I'm just now remembering that we're going to have to talk about. But let's get to the sound of the week because I've already introduced it. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want to? I feel I'll like go yours, first. I'll go first because mine's segue. NFL related. Yeah, I'll go, go first. Ahead. It's Aaron Rodgers on draft night. A lot of you have probably heard of this, but let's hear it. How disappointed are you that you will not be a, a 49er? Not as disappointed as the 49ers will be that they didn't draft me. All right, so it cuts off. It cuts off the question. Oh, it doesn't cut off the question. Here we go. How disappointed are you that you will not be a, a 49er? Not as disappointed as the 49ers will be that they didn't draft me. I'm gonna have to do some anyway. Savvy so the question is how one. disappointed. The question is how disappointed are you that um, the, the 49ers didn't draft you? No, no, because that's what he says. The question is basically, you know, how disappointed are you that you are not a 49er? Is yeah. the question to Rogers, and he says that they didn't draft me. I think it's hilarious because he's 0-4 against them in the playoffs. I don't really have a ton to add outside of that, but I just thought of it when I said it. I looked it up real quick. I had to get something in because I was slacking this week, and I wouldn't say they're particularly sorry. Tom, I have two sounds of the week. I am going to leave it up to you which one you'd like me to play first. Would you like me to play one related to MLK, or would you like me to play one related to Daryl Morey? I don't know where either one of these are going, so 
Uh, let's do MLK first. Okay, good, good call, Tom. I think this is one of the funniest things I've ever heard on Twitter ever. So the other day, uh, Darren Ravel. Oh was no! Is sh- oh, I, I have heard this one. I'm so sorry. Yes, yes. Darren Ravel was sharing his his MLK memorabilia with the Twitter world, to which people started to drag him for having all of this MLK memorabilia to the point where he had to do a Twitter spaces later that night for, for some reason, Miami Hurricanes fans. That was very strange. But Tom, let's go to that sound of Darren Ravel explaining why he owns all this MLK merchandise. The fan base, so we everybody can get on the same page. Sure, I have I have uh, over nine MLK signed items. I am a humongous fan of what he's done, uh, and over the last seven years, I've collected a lot of things. Uh, it's not only MLK; it's a lot of Black history. I own a Rosa Parks uh, signed NAACP card, so it was pretty shocking today how I was called racist um, when. When I am a student and lover of Black history, and it was it was I never expected the reaction that I that I got today. Hmm. That's basically it. I'm not going to play any more of it. I mean, I, think... I mean, raw reaction. I might have missed this. Do we know why he was called racist? No, I do not. I haven't but... seen that anywhere. It must have been earlier in the space that nobody clipped. But I mean, the big takeaway to me, the funniest part of it is over nine. MLK items like that's not a high enough number to not know you know if, if it's 10 11 12 whatever I, I feel like over nine just doesn't do it for me it's a weird it, it's never a good sign to, to flex the relation that you have to black culture that always feels like a little bit of a reach for a white person so you know whoever said that about Ravel I don't know but it, it, he, he's a little shady guy you know he's super into the sports business and collectibles thing not to disparage the guy, I have a hard time believing that there isn't some sort of profit angle to go here with Rovell. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, if if there isn't, I'm sorry, but it's a weird dude, and he's all about the collection. He's all about the business side of it. So uh, awkward conversation. Well, here, here's here's the funniest part to me, right? Is you kind of mentioned it there, but. One of the funniest things a white person can do is the, I'm not racist, I have a black friend. And his is, I'm not racist, I have MLK merchandise. (laughs) Like, what? And then on top of that, the Rosa Parks NAACP card comes out of nowhere. Thank you. Signed. Signed, I'm sorry. I think PSA certified, he later adds. It's just insane that he just throws that one out there into the ether when nobody was fishing for that information. He gave us more ammo to make fun of him f- with, and I just don't understand why he did that. I think the sound is hilarious, though, just the way he kind of stammers his way through trying to explain why he owns all this MOK merchandise. And I'm with you. What is the number? You know what the number is if you're saying over nine, and clearly you're afraid of how people are going to react when they find out how many it really is. I bet you it's like 16, and just he didn't want to say that because it sounds crazy. It'd be really funny if it was 95 or something ridiculous. Like I, I believe Darren Ravel, as stat-driven as he is, knows exactly how many Martin Luther King pieces he has, where they're signed, you know, what they are, what year they were signed. He probably has meticulously marked all of them and, and knows their value to him you know whatever that may be but it's just anytime you can drag Rovell is a good day so it, it was good to see the universe come together one more time and i gotta give miami hurricanes fans they're the national champions of twitter spaces they've been awesome you know since the offseason started and and credit where credit's due yeah they've they've really been killing the the twitter spaces you is Tom, back i'll say it the, the U is most certainly back mario crystal ball stand up tom this other sound came from Daryl Morey, and during an interview on the Mike Missinelli show on 97.5 The Fanatic, he was asked about a trade report that was on Twitter uh, involving the Kings. I'm not going to give any more detail because I just want you to hear what he says about that Twitter account. So let's go to that. It was tweeted out by Ballsack Sports. I mean, like people were treating that like it was a real thing. I think that was yesterday or two days ago. So, like, I, I'm I'm imploring people to not get too attached to Ballsack Sports <laughs> tweets 
and treat them seriously. <laughs> I mean, that is what we're dealing with. So that that's the sound. He he. The report came from at Ballsack Sports on Twitter, and so now we have sound of Daryl Morey saying Ballsack Sports. Do you know how many signed pieces of MLK memorabilia Ballsack Sports has? That's the real I question. Not. I do not. Do you think Is we it over nine? Do you think their DMs are open? Do you think we could find out if we oh, ask? Oh, they have to be. They have to be. They would answer too, for sure. I'm always concerned whenever someone decides to name their thing something like, like, why ball sack sports? What it feels very like Barry McCockiner type stuff is, is what that feels like. Like those type of accounts. Yeah, I just, I just don't understand naming it ball sack sports. And... I got to know if when they named it Ballsack Sports, was it kind of like, we want to be taken seriously? Or did they know what they were doing? Like, did, you know what I mean? I think, it, I, think it's a, I think it's a fake account. I think it's one of those fake spread scoops accounts that none of them are really true. And it's just to get people. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Morey saw it. Daryl Morey thought it was hilarious. In that same conversation, he said it is less likely than likely that the Sixers trade Ben Simmons before the deadline. Not what I wanted to hear, but that's neither here nor there. Shocker. Why would you want him? Any team out there? I don't get it. The Kings really want him, apparently, but uh, Daryl Morey you apparently and I, you, you, you played your hand last week on, you know, why do they want them? You're like, I don't know. Oh, I, you're right. I don't know. I'm just saying, allegedly, the Kings The Kings want do want him. Yeah, I don't get it. That franchise has been terrible for 20 years, but uh, not sound of the week because I don't have it up, but... The Doc Rivers, uh, when they were asking him about some of his coaching decisions where he said, like, don't question me, I've earned it. Come on, Doc. No, you haven't. You blow the most game sevens ever. You've blown a bunch of 3-1 leads. You had the one title that, yeah, you're just as guilty as KG and Paul Pierce for getting longevity out of it. But tough look for Doc. And then you got to get rid of him, Philly? No? Oh, they have to. I mean, Dan Burke coached the team for like three games and it was the best the teams ever looked. I just, I don't understand what we're doing. Tom, the, the last thing we're going to talk about here before we go, that of course is the Taugo Derby. Of course, the Wolverhampton Wanderers faced off with the Brentford Bees yesterday. Uh, round one went to Brentford 2-0. This time, the Wanderers took down the Bees 2-1. It was one of the weirder soccer matches I've ever watched in my life. They had to stop for like 15, no, 19 minutes because there was a drone flying over the pitch. And it, it was just overall super weird when they were actually playing great football, but <laughs> there was a lot in between there. Yeah, real quick, Wolves, uh, four wins last five matches, four points out of fourth place, Gimmingham, just saying. Champions League, watch out. But yeah, kind of had it all. You know, the uh, the drone, I, plus 19 minutes is not something I thought I would ever see. I actually took a picture of the stream to have it documented, just that there were 19 minutes of stoppage time. Um, Wolves, you know, they got goals from Neves and Matinho, shout out. Uh what is the deal with Brentford's manager? Red card at the end of the match. He seems to always have the take that we were better than them. They just scored more than us and they got lucky. I feel like once you dust that off more than once, the shtick is up. Like you're only allowed to really say that once. I think the thing with Brentford that is concerning right now is the defense has been horrible. Like you saw it. The defense is slow. Saw defense. Thank you. Whatever. <laughs> is They're slow. They can't really stay in front of anybody. And it's just ever since David Raya went down, he really was masking some of the issues on that defense because he has a bit of that like sweeper keeper quality to him. And ever since he went down, the, the back line has just looked atrocious. But on top of that, they need to do a better job of putting the ball in the back of the net. I think they have one of the highest expected goal expected goal numbers in the all of the Premier League and they're just not finishing their opportunities. The only guys who consistently score on this team are uh the guy whose last name I am blanking on because I don't think I know how to pronounce it, the M Mbumo or whatever. And then oh. Ivan Tony. Like you saw his goal, just an absurd goal by Ivan Tony yesterday. But yeah, I just this team needs to figure it out because if they keep playing like this they're going to get in tr some trouble and they're going to be in a position where they might not stay up. I wouldn't be worried about that if I was them. I think the bottom of the table just really is that bad. But 
you know, especially if that that head-on collision, if those guys are hurt long-term, it's going to be a problem for them. Uh, real quick on Wolves, I wish Adama Traore had scored there at the end because that, I mean, that ups the transfer value by probably 5 million pounds or so. So Tottenham, if you're picking up the phone, bump it up a little bit. You know, one goal, I'm going to call it two goals in the last two matches. So you got to pay for Traore if you're going for him. And Neves, I'd be devastated if he leaves. Those are the only two I'm kind of worried about. It's so crazy right now because looking at the Premier League standings, four through like nine, ten, it it feels like anybody could finish fourth. I'll give him credit because I when I didn't when I knew less about soccer, I kind of poked fun at the fact that oh, there's no postseason. So like if a team runs away with it, that sucks. Like the second half of the season is terrible. But then you factor in, oh, you're playing for Champions League spots, which is the top four. You're playing to stay in the league, which is the bottom three are, are gone. You're playing for the Europa League, whatever it is, you know, half the teams are, are either getting to Europe or getting relegated. So it, it does feel like there's always something to play for. And I, and I got to give them credit. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing to soccer. It, it's, it's funny because you and I have proposed for a while that college football needs to adopt a relegation system in the same way that soccer has, but we're never going to get that off the ground with the NCAA. Uh, that, does that die now that Cincinnati made the playoff? I think that might die. Nah, we 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 should still we should still do it. We got to expand the playoff, but you know I've, I've had that tangent before. All right, Tom. That brings they're not going to listen to me. That brings us to the end of another edition of There's a Lot Going On. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? We got to hit some basketball real quick. I have a shout out for Ayoka Lee for the Kansas State women's basketball Baller. team. 61 points today, NCAA women's record. Um, we probably would have talked about it a little bit more if it was the men's game or if it was an NBA scoring record. Granted, you know, it, it would be 100 and some points, which is ridiculous. But scoring record, you don't see something every day. Kansas State, I don't know anything about their women's program, but good on them. And uh, always cool to see some history. Always cool to see some history indeed. Tom, if people have made it this far into the episode, I haven't said this in a while. You know what they need to do. They need to go into Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, tell us what you like, what you don't like. You can also go on to Spotify and give us a five-star rating if I think you have an iOS phone. So if you have an iPhone, I don't think you can on Android, but don't quote me on that one. Uh, and yeah, that's really it for this week. That's Tom Shively. I'm David Royal. We'll catch you back here next week for another edition. There's a lot going on.